Christ's name we pray and all of God's people said. Facebook at Summit uh, Church, uh, so you can see those. But I want to just kind of lay my heart out to you for a moment. There's something that uh, has been going on within me for the last couple weeks, and I've, I've shared that with some of you. But I want you to know, some of you that just came back to school, and I want you to, to see what's, what's happening in my heart and within this community. But I want you to know there's something that the Lord has been, been really uh, talking with me about. I remember Jeremy Pollitt said, John, you... You mentioned the word gospel a lot lately. And I really want you to hone in on that word. And I know you're probably saying, why is that word so important? Because I'm kind of like Pastor J.B. Grant in a sense when he, when he wrote the book Gospel. I, I'm kind of like this in a sense that sometimes in my walk with Jesus. Now I want you to get real with me this morning. Y'all need to loosen up. Alright? I want you to get a little loose because we're going some places. That's why uh, the Lord had it worked out that we can give me some time. And so we don't want to just focus on the, the worship of God through music, but we want to worship the Lord through our hearts. Because you think about what His Word said in the Gospel of John. That He wanted worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So this is where I've kind of been at. I just want to be truthful with you. Until the last, until about three or four weeks ago, I had gotten into Christianity. Uh, I, what I mean by that is I've gotten into where I just kind of do some things that I'm supposed to do. Uh, he wrote it like this, J.D. Gray wrote it like this. There's a huge gap between my intellect and my emotions. You ever been there? Uh, I'm sure you have because some of you are in school and you know what I'm talking about. Like, you have, you're intellectually involved, but you are not emotionally involved. Right? I mean, when you are studying that math problem that you could care less about, that I just want to tell you as a middle-aged dude you will never use. Yeah, awesome. Like, you're paying for it. Just get right. So my point is, is that I just want you to know, yeah, I mean, it is cognitively helping your mind develop, and you know the neuroscience behind that, so you're going, why? There's a neuroscience behind it. But the problem is, there's this gap. And so sometimes my walk with Jesus is just this. It's just, okay, I'm walking in the Lord. I'm doing the things that God wants me to do, but is my heart in it. Like, I have to do a heart check. And so he even said it like this. He said, my service for God, my service, that's the things we do, for God was fervent. But my passions for him were cold. Man, come on, that's, that's a good word. I can't hit me right between the eyes. My, my service for God was fervent, but my passions for him were cold. He says, the more closely my feet followed him, the more my heart ran away. The more my feet followed him, the more my heart ran away. In other words, it had just become, my body and my mind were conditioned to do the things of God. But I had to say, where was my heart for the Lord? Because I'm one of those guys, I, I, I hope you're like this, and I believe you are, that's why you're at Summit. You're either all in or all out. Right? I mean, if somebody's throwing a party, you're all in. Let me just take you back to your pre-saved days. 
You ain't drinking just one beer. Okay, y'all are real spiritual on this side. I'm going to get with the people that don't care. Right? I mean, when we're at a party, we ain't just drinking one beer. Can I get a witness? Okay, I finally got five people said, I was that person. Of course you all were. Right? We all, we're all in, right? We're, we're, not, we're all in. We're not gonna, that's why you're here. That's why you even talk to me. Because there's something about you. You're an edge player. You know who you are. Because I'm one of those people. I mean, we gotta be all in. But see, that's why I didn't do my heart check. Am I all in? So what happens is, we, we, we desire for, for us to God, to God to use us in a maximally great way. He would say. You agree with that? Do you want to be used great, greatly by God? Yes? Okay, well, you're good. You can talk back. Five of you, great. So let me just say what he did in his journey. And I like him because J.D. was in seminary when I was there. He said, so this is what he did. He said, so when he got saved, he went to high school and he went to this Christian school and he said, we didn't dance because dancing would make you have impure thoughts. Can I just tell you that the only person that could ever bring sexy back is Jesus? God created sex, and you sitting there going, I shouldn't have these thoughts. Let me tell you something. That's why Paul said it's better to marry than burn people. We're just in time, in time, for some of you, in time. But my point is, is that we talk like sex is a bad thing. It's a great thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we don't, we don't dance because God didn't twerk. I have no idea where that came from, but it sounded good. <laughs> so then we, then we realized spiritually, I want to get, I'm even going to get more right with God. So if you're really right with God, like Corey over here, then you're going to tell everybody about Jesus. So, so then the, the service of God kicks in over the heart of God. So I don't dance because, you know, <laughs> I don't bring sexy back yet. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I've got to be evangelized. So if you're really spiritual, you're going to be out witnessing the people. So then you set goals like, okay, I'm going to lead 15 people to the Lord this month. And I'm only going to give them... 10 minutes in a conversation and then Jesus is coming in. And so you're in the cafeteria and they're saying, man, in this chicken great. Well, let me just tell you about the chicken. Chicken is not the sacrifice. Jesus says the sacrifice. And I just... And they're just looking at you going, no, I'm getting ready to sacrifice you. Goodbye. All right, so... And so then, you, you, some of you, you get in, you get a little deep in the Lord, and sometimes people get in college, whatever, and they realize, oh my word, then maybe, maybe, maybe it's missions. So if then if I want to move spiritually, it's not just share my faith, it's getting involved in missions, and then, oh, it's not just missions, if you're really spiritual, like you love the poor. Like you love the poor. You don't pay your house payment, people, you just give to Jesus. No. <laughs> No, okay, let me break it down for you, family. Okay, since we're family, listen. Uh, okay, I know that I'm called to witness and that God has given me the gift of evangelism, but I just want to say something to you, that I could stop at every gas station on the way home and start evangelizing everybody at the pump. Hey, man, I'm just pumping for Jesus, but I just want you to know you got the Holy Spirit pumping in you, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, but I would never get home. I would be a terrible parent, a terrible father, a terrible husband. I mean, that's what happens. So you get caught in this. And then the next thing you know, you learn, you say, well, uh, then all of a sudden, then God says, well, you know, you read about Paul, and then you're like, well, if I really want to be super spiritual, then i got to be single, because then I can give my whole life to the Lord, and i just got to cut off everything that's not of God. And, I'll, you know, single, and so I just maybe I can just do more with the Lord. And so, you know, marriage and relationships, that's bad. And I just want to say something. Thank God he didn't call me to celibacy. 
I mean, because your whole idea is I want to be maximally used great by the Lord. Then he said what happened is he started progressing to try and do all these things. And it began to drain him. And so then all of a sudden his religion of so-called grace felt more like drudgery. Let me tell you where I'm going this morning. We've had a massive movement lately in the spirit. Right? For those of you who know I'm talking about, you don't just have over 40 salvations. You don't just have over 40 rededicates. You don't have about 30 people about to, You don't just have those things happen this past week and all this stuff. You don't just have those things happen without something moving in the spirit. See, the reason why we call Christianity a movement is because it's not a position, it's a movement. Jesus said, come follow. Okay, I'll say it again. Come follow me. It's a movement, and I'll make you fishers. It's a movement with God. Keep in step with the Spirit, the Bible says. But here's what I want you to know. When you move with God, you also move towards a battle with the enemy. Uh, preacher, preacher language is bigger level. Bigger devil. That's preacher language. So you, you end up moving, you end up moving in this. But what the gospel does for us is it radically changes our heart to say, I don't care where God moves me. I don't care where I go because I know that Jesus is with me. See, I want you to know that some of y'all are on a super spiritual high. But here's what I want to warn you in a good way, not in a fearful way. Don't you erode into that a, a, a lies of Satan. Don't you erode him back away that when you're moving with the Lord, you whenever you move towards the Lord, the enemy tries to stop you. See, he can't smash God, so what he does is attack his children. He doesn't try to attack the Creator, but he does try, uh, try to attack the creation that reflects his image. And I'm going to show you today. Now the Lord's going to show you today. Why does this happen? Philippians chapter one. Um, a year, a year, a little over a year ago, probably a year and four months ago, um, Stephen Cagle, Cagle Bagel, and uh, Tanner Rogers. I guess we call him Coach Tanner Rogers now. And uh, Zach Zabrava and I were meeting. Of course, I've uh, since dropped the ball since then. We were meeting, and I said, "Okay, guys, you really want to get after the Lord?" Like, yeah. So we're memorizing Philippians. Well, we made it like through halfway through chapter two, and then we had to break up for the summer. But just just to let you know, so we try to get it, get into this. And like the Lord, as I was reading this and it came up, I was like, "This is it. This is what it looks like when you're radically changed by the gospel." And I want to say something to you and I today, and preach it to ourselves today. The gospel is not just what gets you saved. It's not Jesus Christ, the righteous one, dying on the cross for our sins. We get His righteousness, satisfies the wrath of God. He did it for free because He loved us, and so we can go on our merry way. And then all of a sudden, we leave the gospel because that's just for salvation. That's, I know you might have heard that growing up or you might have been taught that growing up, but that's not biblical. The gospel is just not for your salvation. The gospel is for your walk until you're in the arms of Jesus. Because the gospel is the very presence of God living and working in us in sanctification issues. So yes, at this moment, our dead spirits were regenerated. Our hearts were regenerated. They came alive. That's what that means. We just brought alive. And all of a sudden, we realized that we need Jesus. At that moment, we are justified. We are not guilty because we receive and surrender our lives to Christ. But then there's this movement, right? This movement in God called sanctification where we move to become more Christ-like so His image can be seen 
and felt and glory could be brought to him. Philippians 1. Verse 12. So Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What type of language is this? That what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, discovering the gospel and understanding that the gospel, that, listen, God's presence is in heaven. He sent his only begotten, Homo Usiasinus, his son to be with us. That son sanctified the body, holified the body, cleansed the body, so then Jesus goes back to the Father at the Ascension, and the Holy Spirit comes ten days later at Pentecost, so the very presence of God will not just be around the earth, but in his creation in us who believe. So there's always this connection with God. That's the gospel. That's why the gospel is not just for salvation. The gospel is right now. There's a continual presence of God in us. It's not just Emmanuel, though he is, but we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what happens, Paul says, listen, because the Holy Spirit is at work within me. He says, all of a sudden, light bulb goes on. He's writing this from prison. Now, what has actually happened to me, I love this passage, has happened to me, has actually served to advance the gospel. So here's a point for you today. Here's something I want you to do. Rediscovering the gospel brings hope. Rediscovering the gospel in your life. And you're going to need to rediscover it. Because you can't live off an emotional high because of all the circumstances that are going to come our way. Because we are swimming upstream. Listen, if we were just living a selfish life, how easy is it to not be saved? That's the easiest life, people. I mean, think about it. Whatever you step on, if you're a guy, when you get up in the morning, that's what you wear. I'll go to my unsanctified side. I'm just kidding. Are y'all tracking me? Because we don't wash clothes. We just watch people who wash clothes. We try to get a girlfriend so she'll wash the clothes. We have sisters, you know, to help us. Like, right? Because we will wear the same thing. A man's bath is cologne, people. Just change it. I know it's rough, but it works. What happened just cuts the smell. So I'm saying it's so easy to be selfish. So if I go back to my little selfish world, think about it. I can say whatever I want to say to somebody. If you say, hey, how you doing? Shut up. I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to look. I don't care. Because as long as I please me, because I'm God, what does it matter? I mean, think about it. If you're not saved, it's the, why are people miserable that are saved? Oh, it's been a tough day at work. Shut up. Let me tell you about a tough part. My boss has been doing me wrong, and I'm supposed to love him? That's tough, people. Oh, and you, you who are not saying, you can just quit your job, go over here, go date this person, go over here, fly around in Disney World, and I'm stuck having to say yes to that guy. That's the Christian white people. I mean, I just laugh. And giggle when people say, it's been rough. I'm like, are you, oh, so you're in love with Jesus? No, I hate Jesus. Well, what's so bad about your life? 
Oh, what? You're a Christian. What is that's not loving, right? Who are you to judge love when you only love yourself? Right? You tell me about love. I'm the one over here. I'm going to sacrifice people. You know, my point being in all this is, is that Paul could have been like that. But with the Holy Spirit of God said no. That what is happening to you and I right now is actually serving to advance the gospel. Everything in our lives right now, if it is an absolute raise or if it is absolute cancer. Everything is serving to advance the gospel. Oh, you know, y'all, I'm trying to give you, I'll go a little theological on you. Uh, you want a, you want a little bit of me? Let me give you some meat here, people. Listen to this. Uh, the New American Standard calls it, uh, a greater progress. Uh, it says, now what you know, brothers, in the New American Standards, I was quoting the NIV, uh, cause it's written on a fifth grade level and I can, I like that level. Um, I'm not smart enough to think so I don't even try uh, Now I want you to know, brothers, that my circumstances have turned out for a greater progress for the gospel. Or of the gospel. Now, listen, I want to explain something to you. The word greater progress, I want to break that down. If you have that in your scripture, but it means advance the gospel. Let me tell you what that means. Do you know how God advances it? You know what that Greek word advance means? Let me, let me just, let me make you feel real good this morning. Oh, that's right, it's coming. Let me make you feel real good. You know what the word advance the gospel means? It means like a silversmith who takes the metal, sticks it in the fire, and pulls it out red hot, sets it on the anvil, and beats the metal to lengthen it. That is the Greek definition of advance the gospel. If you and I are called by God, which we are, to advance the gospel, then guess who is going to be beaten as metal? Why? You're saying, John, that's not very flowery. I don't mean that you sit around and everybody's going to beat you up. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God puts us in circumstances to lengthen or to deepen our trust in Him. Because here's what happens when we're in circumstances that the Spirit of God is moving, the enemy of God is getting ready to come. I'm going to show you people. Alright? So I'm going to show you. It's coming. But in the middle of that, God is trying to lengthen. He's trying to lengthen. He is, I'll put it to you this way. You've heard people say, God is stretching me. Right? Come on, somebody. God is stretching me. I want to tell you, when you walk with Jesus, get ready to be stretched. Right, Mr. Hebrew? I mean, weak verbs, doing sin. I mean, it's tough, but I'm telling you, God will stretch you. Follow God. What happens to you? He puts you in places where you're going to forgive. He puts you in places where you're going to trust. He puts you in places where you feel so uncomfortable, you have to share the gospel and spread it out. Like, He's going to lengthen, He's going to lengthen His presence in our life through circumstances, through the red-hot fire, Daniel. In the lion's den, or to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, in the fire as the presence of Jesus is there. It is going to be stretched. It's going to be, it means literally to beat forward, to lengthen out by hammering. But that's what happens in us. As J.D. Greer said, the gospel has done in my heart what religion never could. <laughs> 
it built a major trust. So then go to verse 13. So as God puts us in circumstances, so Paul's in prison, and he says, now what has actually happened to me uh, has served to advance the gospel. Verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that he's in chains for who? Let's talk about that. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I, Paul, am in chains for who? You see, what happens when Jesus becomes, his presence becomes more in me, then his presence has become known among everyone else. That's what happens. You want to move with the Lord? You want to move with the Lord? Then guess what God's going to do? God is going to stretch you in every way. You will step up as a spiritual leader on your team. You will step up as a, as a spiritual leader, as a grandparent. You will step up as a leader in your family. And that might mean that you're the daughter to older parents and you become the spiritual leader. But He is going to do something in you that demands a response. So that everyone else will know. It is clear throughout the people that have locked him up that Jesus Christ is Lord for him. Now look what else. There's a byproduct there. So we discover the gospel brings purpose there in verse 13. It's been clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. We... Rediscovering the gospel brings purpose to where you are. Look at verse 14. And I could just go. And because of my chains, I love this part. Most of the brothers and sisters, I love this, have become what? Yes, in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So God puts us in circumstances. The gospel is continually. The gospel is not for salvation only. Don't ever, 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 ever think of it that way. Ever is John Piper. Ever. Because the gospel is going to take you in out of places as the Spirit of God leads us into places where we are stretched, where we are stretched, and then we are at the point of breaking, and that all that can come out of us is Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus' presence, when it becomes out of us, because there are no secret agent Christians, people, So then all of a sudden, what happens, all of a sudden when Jesus comes out of us, it becomes clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that Paul is in chains for Christ. It didn't say those people got saved, but what it did say is that the testimony of Jesus went forward. Y'all tracking me? Hello? We there? Alright, then, what does it do for believers? So now the brothers and sisters in the Lord say, look at that woman. Look at that man. Look at that believer. They are so on fire for the Lord that they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They begin to share Jesus without fear. The guy that wrote that evangelism strategy, Share Jesus Without Fear, his, he owned the largest brothel uh, east of the Mississippi. I mean, he was, and he owned it because his father started Bird's Eye Foods. Now, y'all don't know, as younger people, Bird's Eye Food, but everybody in here from, from about 40 and up know what I'm talking about, Bird's Eye Food, right? That you would buy at the grocery store. His father started out, so he was wealthy, so he just spent all this stuff on this prostitution stuff, and then all of a sudden, he's radically saved, takes this verse, and uses it to build a whole evangelism strategy Sharing Jesus without fear. 
Why? Because what happens, the word clear means this. Look, that this is, I, I, I just love this. Uh, excuse me, being confident in the Lord means this. It means to listen, to trust, and obey, to yield to. And look what it says. I love this. When the Holy Spirit is moving so powerful, it says, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel or share the gospel without fear. That word, that word dare is translated also in some Bibles, it might be in your Bible, as courage. It literally means, in, in, in the Greek, it literally means not to dread fear, but when fear comes, to shun it. Is anybody tracking me today? Uh, there's a lot of people say, I ain't scared, I ain't scared. That's what they say. My, 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 my eight-year-old, I'm not scared, I'm not scared, boo. Ah! You know, right? You know, you know with me? Like, it just, you know, talks a big game, but then walk up, well, you get it. So my point is this. Dare means not only to not be afraid of what comes, but if it does come, to shun it. I confess to you, I am sometimes very afraid of what comes. I am sometimes very afraid. I, I shared with the campus on, uh, on the other night. Uh, I was talking to my mom this week, and uh, y- y- y'all know that she's struggling fighting to go blind and not to go blind and so she's been getting going to Charlotte because uh, I'm from North Carolina originally and she would get shots in her eyes and basically what happened uh, last Sunday when she was in worship uh, the eye I don't know blood just I don't know what happened it created a separation kind of an explosion in her eye or whatever and and so now she sees like through a purple net and basically she can't see and, and so to hear her tell a story how she was in the middle of the church building and filling around for that, you know, there's, there's times that I fear for her, her life. There's times I fear for my life. There's times I fear what's going to happen or like how am I going to die? How would she die? Or, or maybe you fear for, for your children or for your friends or your sweetmates or your parents that don't know Jesus. Maybe you live that. So what happens when that fear comes is, is what do we do with it? It's how do we shun it? Well, that's just a great question because this Bobby, you got to come up here because this word's going to get real good. See, we're leaving a little time for us to talk to Jesus today. We're going to do some talking with Jesus. All right? So here's what I'm saying. Because when we rediscover the gospel, the way we shun fear, the way we move away from fear is to make sure that we have someone bigger than fear that we listen to. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, so when I was little, I told you all the story before, but it was little, it's because it's a true story. And Robbie, if you make fun of me, I will lie. All right, so my twin sister at one time was like a foot taller than me. You, you know girls grow faster than boys, right? Uh, Coach Chavel would have recruited her. You know, she'd be a good D-tackle. And so she was like eight years old. She was jacked. You know, and then there's me, you know. I, I wasn't like wearing these corduroys, you know, that were huskies yet. But y'all never know what I'm talking about. And so, and, and, and my point is that she was bigger. And so this, this guy, uh, Thomas, wanted to fight me. So after school, everybody got there. And so we're going to fight. So he's on one side, I'm on the other. We run at each other. Boom, I get a lick in. I'm like, I'm feeling good about myself because, you know, at eight, you feel like I'm an MMA artist and I can take anybody. And so what happens is we separate. We come back again. He punches me. I fall down and start crying. Like, I just start crying in front of the school. Uh, this is a winning, this is a final moment in my life, by the way. And so all of a sudden, well, about that time, my twin sisters had enough. You know what I mean? She's about a foot taller than everybody else. 
Like she is the jolly green giant on steroids. So she comes out of the crowd. And this, this guy's a year older than me that I'm fighting. He turns around and looks at her. He takes off. He's out running the same boat at this point. And she's chasing him. Now here's what's interesting. I don't know where my sister got this VO2 level and all this cardio endurance spot, stuff because she was a jolly green giant. She chased him for a couple blocks all the way home. Like the dude ran in this house. This is a defining moment. So what happens is I learn something. I learned that sometimes I am very afraid. But when my defender, but when my defender steps out, my fear goes away and my faith goes up. Watch, I'll show you. This is where it gets really good. Uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 8. Man, thank you Holy Spirit for this. Judah Smith was speaking about this uh, probably five years ago at a conference in, in uh, Australia. And he was talking about his father uh, getting cancer. Myeloma. And my father uh, in 2005 died of multiple myeloma. So I was, obviously I was, uh, this caught my ear. And so he was talking about this moment and he was talking about this moment. And I just want us to read something here in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It says, Then Jesus, or he, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We were going to drown. He replied, you of what, saints? Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They were going to the other side. Jesus said in Mark, the gospel, it's a parallel passage. He says, they were going to the other side. Here's what happens in a movement of God, saints. I just want to be clear today. Why this is happening in your life? Because you're a senior. Everybody is going to go to the other side. Now, some of you might be thinking of death. I'm not proclaiming that. I'm just saying that when we move with God, there's a movement where God is always calling us to where he's at work. And whenever God calls us to follow Him, there's always an attack of the enemy. There's always a storm that rises up. Now you say, John, you're spiritualizing the passage. Well, let me just get into the Greek a little bit. The word furious squall there is used, it's the only time it's not used. It's used other times in the Bible, and all the other times it's used in the Bible is in demonic possession context. So this is what scholars believe. This is a demonic storm. In other words, the squall comes over the lake. I'm going to say it. This lake, right? And it comes over, and it's a demonic storm. When you walk with Jesus, when I walk with Jesus, when we walk with Jesus, there will be... You said it right. What is it?
What's the purpose of storms? All right, we, we thought that one storm was going to hit us and everybody's freaking out, right? If you went to Wally World, you probably couldn't get water or gas or sky is falling, chicken little. What do storms do? I mean, we have storm chasers. We have storm watchers. What happens when you see the storm and you see the lightning? His lightnings light up the world. Talking about the Lord. What happens with a storm? What happens when you see the lightning and the clouds come in? What does it do to your attention? Talk to me. It captivates it, doesn't it? And he did his right. Judah's right. You know what happens? You know the whole goal of storms? This is beautiful. I want you to write this down. The whole goal of storms is to captivate your all. Oh, that was an amen, somebody. A-W-E. The whole purpose of storms is to captivate your all. The purpose of a storm is to captivate your attention, your focus, your excitement, your fear, and put it all into one galvanized format and say this is awe and it strikes fear in me. When people get sick, sickness is meant to strike awe. Storms are meant to strike awe. It captivates all of our thoughts. It captivates all of our, all of our resources. It captivates everything because that's what storms are meant to do. But let me show you, when you're going to the other side, you're always going to hit a storm. When you're following Jesus, you're always going to hit a storm. But when you hit a storm, the storm is to captivate your all. Come on, somebody. But there's a problem in this passage with the storm trying to get their all because it didn't get everybody's all. Now, see, y'all not hearing me this morning. Come on now. These are expert fishermen. They know storms. But this storm was a big one. And it terrified them. But you see, there was one person in there that the storm didn't captivate. There was one person, go back there with me, in verse 24. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake. So that the rain swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> Jesus was not enamored by the storm. Jesus was not captivated by the storm. Jesus was not in awe of the storm. In fact, the storm meant nothing to him that he had to be not just sleeping. But I like to say, I think Jesus, I think he was soundly sleeping. Right? Because let's be honest, you know, some of us in here are light sleepers. When there's a storm or a big... Uh, I, the reason why I know that is this, because here's what happens every time we have a storm at my house. As soon as we have a storm at my house, I look at Lynette and I go, three, two, one. Here comes Jacob. Boom! Oh, right in the bed. I mean, I'm already... As soon as I hear the thunder, I'm just moving away from Lynette. Like, I'm just like... And then in the morning, he's on top of me. I'm like, God... Because you see, 
Jesus was soundly sleeping in the midst of a storm because it didn't impress him. Uh, are y'all with me today? Are you with me? Are you see where I'm going today? Some of us in this room have been impressed by a storm. Some of us in this room are not prepared for the storm because when the storm hits, then we take our eyes off of the one who's in control of the storm. We take our eyes off the one who is greater than the storm. We take our eyes off the one who was so unimpressed with the storm that he was asleep and he was soundly asleep because you see, Jesus is not impressed by Satan. Jesus is not impressed by a demon. Jesus is not impressed with cancer. He's not impressed with pain. He's not impressed with your loneliness. He's not impressed with your finances. He's not impressed with heartache. Who is he impressed with is God. How can Jesus live, Judah would say, in rest and calm when the enemy strikes? Peace. You see, when you're right with God, there's not a demon in hell. Come on. There's not a demon in hell that can strike fear in a relationship that has been made by God. That's why I say at the end of every wedding, what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. Because you see, nobody has authority to speak with Jesus. No storm has authority to speak in your life. No storm has authority to take your attention. No storm has authority to take your resources. No storm has the ability to take your eyes off Jesus unless it captivates your awe. And the only one that we should stand in awe, come on, come on, for me and my house, for me and my house, there's only one person that's in, we're in all of my house. I promise you, there's only one person. Come on, I can feel the spirit. And the one person, I'm, I'm not in all of an athlete. I'm not in all of a doctor. I'm not all of Billy Graham. I am all of Jesus. And there's only one person that we bow the knee to in our house. There's only one person that we're going to bow our finances to. There's only one person that's going to occupy every thought, every action, every deed. And his name is the name above every name. And he controls every storm. In fact, the storms are, storms are so weak in his life that he'll just not only just get rid of it, he can walk on it. And the reason why we don't walk on storms is because we take our eyes, Robbie. Off of who? Jesus. Verse 26. He replied, You of what? I want you to see something. This is why, for you scholars in the room, this is why we have multiple gospel accounts. Because people are in different places. Nah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Scholars. Bible theologians. This is why we have multiple eyewitness accounts. Or either recorded from an eyewitness. It's because people are in different places. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, he replied, You of little faith. But what's interesting about that is if you go to Mark chapter 4, he says, You of no faith. What? He just 
said to this one person, Matthew, the Jews, little faith, then he's over here, Mark, and he says, a little faith, and then he goes to Luke, who Luke is writing obviously to Gentiles and that, and he says, where is your faith? So there was a different process. Little faith, no faith, then the bigger question to everybody is, where is your faith? Is that not good? So my question today is, where is your faith? Where's your all? Because whatever you are is what you have faith in. Storm's coming and it's bad. So your faith is just going to bring destruction. No, 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 no. My, st- my faith, my all is in Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. And he's the one who overcomes every storm. Even the last enemy, death. So if my other side is a sickness that leads to death, then guess what? I've got the one who conquered the grave and proved it by being resurrected. And now I know though I die, yet I will live. That's Paul and writing for these one for me to live. Come on, now I'm with it. Y'all ain't feeling it today. Y'all was like, who can lose? That's why Paul wrote for me to live as Christ and to die. Come on. God is speaking to you today. And he's a God of mercy. So where is your faith? Because I want you to know, movement people, there is a storm coming. How do I know? Man, in all my years of pastoring, I can tell you this, that whenever you walk with God, you always encounter, always encounter a pushback from the enemy. But this is what I love about my undefeated Jesus. He said, even the gates, Robbie, even the gates. That's when I put my eyes on its fortress. Even the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So I beg you today, where's your faith? Do you need mercy today? Hebrews says we can come to the throne of grace and receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. So if I'm in a place today where I have no faith, I want you to know something. Even when you have no faith, there is one who did have faith and he stood in your gap and he died so that you could have the faithless, the faithfulness of Jesus into your faithless and make you faithful. God will do that and he will save you and he will redeem you and you will walk forward and you will be in the movement of God. You will be in his kingdom as an image bearer made in the likeness of him and you will move forward proclaiming the gospel even in the midst of the storm because your faith, your all rests in him and not in what's coming your way. And maybe you in this room and you have little faith. All right, Jacob, Mikey, i got to confess my sin to you. You ready? You know what I predicted your game to be? 55 to 7, you lose. I mean, look, I can't help it. Coach Chavel, can you help it? All the coaches in the room, can you help it? You want your coach, you're always a coach. Right, Charlie? I mean, you coach. Once you're a coach, you're always a coach. You can't get out of it. And you look at everything based on, you look at based on, on worldly perspective. You look on speed and size, and strength, whatever else. You look on what they did in the preseason. But here's, what, here's what's interesting. It's not what I said that mattered, but it's what God said that mattered. Do you, 
understand what he's doing? Like, you might have storms in your life when you go through relationships and everything else that just fall apart and all this other stuff because it was built on sand and not built on Jesus. But I want to tell you something. Even though it was built on sand, even though I'm sinking, there's one whose hand is not too short. Where's your faith? And that's what it taught me. Oh, ye of little faith. I make God very small. Do you? What do you want to ask Him? Do you need mercy? Do you need faith? Robbie, I want you to pray prophetically over us. I don't care, man. You got to sing. I don't care what you got to do. I don't even know what mic this is. It's orange, but you can fix it. Because you're smart. This man is anointed. The team's anointed. I'm not. I'm just up there by default. But the Lord... It's going to speak to you today. Ask him, Lord, I need faith here. Lord, I need mercy here. And he is going to give it to you. Where is your faith? Live. And as Judah would say, it's time for us to live in holy momentum. God created a movement, did he not? He created a movement. So let's not stop when the storm comes. Let's live in the holy momentum of God. Because storms will come, but Jesus is greater. And once Jesus... I'm going to leave with this. Matthew 8. Let's land it. Let's respond to it. Let's don't be in sin. Let's respond to it. Your teammates, God, they're lost. Maybe they don't know Jesus. You know what somebody said about you in the stands, Jacob? You know what somebody said? I'm going to tell you what they said. They said, if that young man was about three inches taller, he could have any choice of place he wanted to go. Now, here's what's awesome about that. I know that probably ticked you off, but you are, we friends. you got to forgive me. You love me. You have to. Your mama loves me and your dad loves me, so that's why you got to do it. God made you for that way because had you been that way, you might have taken your eyes off of him. We just got to submit because here's what happens. Whatever we put our arm, if my eyes in a girl, then my faith is in her and it's not in Jesus. If my eyes in me and my baby, then my eyes not, my faith is not in, in Jesus, it's in me. But God is going to call you spiritual today to this greater level of faith and it's, He's going to stretch you. He's going to hammer you out and everything you thought you were going to do, you will not do because God has something greater for you to do in His name. So see what happened to the all? Here we go. Verse 26, he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And then Robbie, this is what happens. This God who speaks to air, the men were what? I didn't hear you, the men were what? They all went from the storm and went to Jesus. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was worth one amen. They all went from the storm and went to Jesus. Take your off the storm or the possibility of a storm or I don't know what I'm going to major in or I don't know if my grandchildren are going to follow you. I want to tell you something. When you walk in the authority and the anointing of Jesus, then one thing you realize that people's response is not about your delivery. It's about the work of God. And I just have to be faithful to deliver and God will do all the work. So he has set me free that I don't have to be responsible for people's response. I have to be responsible for delivering what God wanted me to say.
So will you respond today? Where is your faith? Father, in the name of Jesus, do something as Robbie sings. Do something as we prophetically proclaim your name. Do we need to pray for our teammates? Do we need to pray for our classmates? Do we need to pray for our sweetmates? Let us get out of our seats and get on our face and be in awe of the one who can do anything. Not only the one who stops the storm, but is so powerful he can walk on the storm. Who needs healing today? God, we got people in here who have the gift of healing. Elders that can lay hands. God, who needs to be healed and set free? Who needs salvation? God, what do we need to do? We need to be in awe of you today. We worship you today. We fall on our knees today. Who wants to come and pray for the people around them today and be in awe of the name of Jesus? Who needs mercy today? Let them come and pray. Who needs faith today? Let them come and ask for more faith. God, let us be faithful. I pour my heart out to you. I can't even breathe. Can you breathe, Lord? I tried to lay it on the line as best I could today, Lord. I'm gassed. I just feel like we need to be in awe of you today. To worship you today. And to take our eyes off of our singleness or our bad marriage or the children that have gone stray, or maybe that we feel like we haven't been a good parent, or grandparent, or made enough, or provided enough. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would destroy that lie. Because if we proclaim the name of Jesus to our children, then we have provided more than the world can ever give. God, fill this place today with people on their knees. Feel it. I know there's some people that need some healing and prayer and they're embarrassed. They're feeling it right now. They need to go and they're arguing with you right now. God, don't let the devil win when all we have to do is be in awe of you and not in awe of our feelings and our embarrassment of coming forward. What is that? What a small price to pay compared to the Massive payment Jesus paid. Who needs mercy? You want me to ask them to come and pray and ask for mercy in this relationship, in this grade, in this financial area, whatever it is, you want them to ask for mercy today, Lord, because you're a God of mercy. Lord, you want us to ask for faith. If we need to believe more in a certain way, we need to believe in something, then God, I pray, I pray that we would stand and do it. And give Robbie, Lord, an anointing. Give Lenny an anointing. Give him an anointing that's so powerful that it would sound just like the angels in heaven. That it would take us right to the throne room. God, please, break loose today. Break loose. I ask this. And if somebody in here, Lord, is separated from you, and statistically we know with this many people in this room there are, and Lord, they can get right today by the one who didn't just walk on water, but the one who went to the cross and bridged the gap between us and you. And the gospel is being proclaimed that they can have Jesus' righteousness. They don't have to live a perfect life. Just follow the one who has a perfect life and surrender to you because they are in sin, yet you are a savior. And Lord, I pray that they would make you Lord today. 
and that we confess with their mouth Jesus as Lord because you have regenerated the heart. And they would come and let us know, God. Please, set this whole place. Lord, there's no, we can be on our faces whatever long we need, but God, we got to pray. we got to be in awe of you. Because whatever we look at the most, that's what we believe the most. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name. You're looking in mountains, you're looking across the rocks, with all the world I still love you. You're looking in mountains, you're looking across the rocks, with all the world I still love you. You look and cross your arms With all the world I still love you I 
when I hear the sound of crashing waves and my world is washing out to sea. I'm hidden safe in God who never moves, holding fast to the promise of the truth. You are holding tighter still to me. Oh, this rock won't move in his word is strong. The rock won't move in his love can't be The rock won't move in his word is strong. The rock won't move in his love can't be The rock of our salvation. Oh, 
Oh, the rock won't move and his word is strong. The rock won't move and his love can be done. Oh, oh, the rock won't move and his word is strong. The rock won't move and his love can be done. Oh, the rock won't move and his word is strong. The rock won't move and his love can be the rock of our salvation. Oh, 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 the rock of our salvation. confession. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. If, if you're in need of prayer, don't feel like you have to leave here and um, just go out of here without prayer. We've got people in the prayer room who want to pray with you. Even if you're like somebody who's like, I know there's people out there, this sounds goofy, but are homesick. You know, you miss mom. I miss my mom sometimes, you know. You probably need prayer. Um, like, let's, let's go pray with you, you know. Like, don't feel like you have to go out of here. I just have a few announcements. If you're a college student and interested in get connected, we have a few things going on coming up. We have house church this Tuesday. We meet in the house and we have church. So it's, uh, it's actually a lot of fun. There'll be a lot of college students there. Um, we'll eat together, do some worship. Robbie will be leading some worship and, um, and just sharing with one another. That's a great opportunity for you to get connected. And then also, October 9th, if you don't have plans, that's fall break. The college students or college-age people will be going on a whitewater rafting trip, ziplining, and then hiking. So um, if you're interested, talk to Timothy Dobner and Stephen Cagle in the back. There's only a few slots. It'll only be 75 bucks. Tonight, we have a new members class at 5. It'll be upstairs. If you have kids and need child care, come talk Talk to me about that. Um, we'd like to accommodate you for that, and uh, would love everybody who's interested in becoming a member being able to go to that class. Church tonight, in here at 6, we love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great week. Peace. Huh? That's, that is very-